take your Bibles with me this evening. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. We've been here for a number of Wednesdays now in our study and working our way through 2 Corinthians on Wednesdays. Uh, these couple chapters, I think, are fitting because we approach them uh, on the beginning of our mission conference coming up very soon. We have seen God do wonderful things with regards to uh, the ingathering of faith promise, being able to see the commitments come even go far beyond. This simply means that we're able to do more for the cause of the gospel. But I think it's fitting that we look at these couple of passages uh, as we begin our mission conference begin even this evening. So turn to Second Corinthians chapter 8, and if you would put your ribbon there, and then I ask you to go with me to Matthew 28, Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 8, go with me to Matthew 28, you probably uh, would not possibly need to turn to that passage of scripture, but I want us to start there this evening, because that gives emphasis to Second Corinthians, uh, to the passage of Second Corinthians 8 and 9, and really all the Bible, uh, we find the, what we consider the Great Commission, Matthew 28 and verse number 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That is the Great Commission. That's what God's called us to do as a church. This commission is given to the church. And further, do I need to get off this, brother, and come here? It seems like I'm dropping out. If you break the, we think about the commission, great commission given to the church. If you consider the church, you break that down even further, and it's given to individuals. And so we think of a church, we may think of a, of a church out there, an, a, an entity or a building, but a church is made up of people made up of us, the congregation, those who have gathered, and those who are born again in Christ. So we consider the Great Commission, it is for the individual member of the family of God. And that's each and every one of us who are born again in Christ. So this affects us. It's been given to us as individuals, as, uh, and also as individuals collectively, corporately, to the entire church. The family of God is, is found, I really believe, the family of God is found in local churches. It's found in local churches scattered throughout all of the world. Where are you going to find the believer? Where are you going to find them in local churches just like this and many scattered all over the place? Where I, I, mean, I get so excited when we hear missionaries going to foreign lands and, and it's exciting to be on, the, on the, just the cusp of starting new churches and seeing young missionary families heading off to the mission field and, and seeing people saved and growing in grace, being discipled. And one of the things that they learn in that discipleship is the importance of the church family. And it is a family, amen? It's a family. Sometimes I think this family is many times as sweet and as tight, and the fellowship is, is uh, much more cordial even at times in this body than even outside. And I just love the church family. But the local church is God's family coming together to accomplish God's task. The local church is God's plan for this New Testament time period this age of grace in which we live. Local church is God's plan for evangelism and outreach. 
It's God's plan for evangelism and outreach. A local church consists of a congregation of people who are saved, baptized scripturally, and then mobilized for the purpose of reaching the world with the gospel. That's the idea and the concept of a local church found biblically. Saved, baptized, mobilized, reaching the world with the gospel. And it takes a local church to fulfill the carrying out of the Great Commission. It takes a local church, just like this and many others, just like it. It takes a local church to do that. The area of mobilization, the idea and the concept of mobilization for world evangelism must happen in the organization, the living organism of the local church. This is where it's mobilized, this is where it's brought together, and from this it goes out. The organization has to do with structure, has to do with function. Organization has to do with structure and function. If you'll hang on, we'll see where I'm going with this. Um, And we consider the local church and we consider what many would consider a universal type of church, a universal church. Um, And when we think about a universal church in that idea, it has no structure. And it really, because it has no structure, it really cannot function. The concept of a universal church is simply that. It's a concept. That's all. Because it has no function, no structure, and without this it cannot fulfill the Great Commission. It's not able to do that. can't fulfill the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a command. It's a task. It's, to be, it's given by God and it's to be carried out. And it requires a local church. It requires an organized and mobilized body of believers to fulfill that command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Who is he talking to here? He's talking to believers gathered within the local church context. The, the idea of a universal church is really not a church at all. It's a concept. Why? Because it's, it has no function. It can't function as far as the Great Commission is, is uh, considered. But the local church does function. It's real. It's tangible. It's concrete. It's not a concept. The book of Acts is a wonderful book. It's a wonderful place to see the local church in action. Acts. It's a good name for it, isn't it? Uh, You see the local church, the the established and beginning of a local church in action. Go with me to the book of Acts, if you would please, to Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11. Verses 16 and following. Acts 11, verse 16 and following. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying that God hath also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose upon Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none 
but unto the Jew only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. People got saved. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church. Here we go. Notice the word, the church, which was at where? Jerusalem. Here is a local church established at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as unto Antioch. Let's go see what's happening over in this other town. People are getting saved. Who, when he was come, excuse me, when he came, and he had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then Barnabas, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year he assembled themselves with the church. What is this? It's a local body of believers. And taught much people and disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Here we see two local churches mentioned out of this passage. We see the church at Jerusalem, Jewish church. Now the gospel is now going to the Gentile. And now we see a church established in Antioch. Local churches clearly being established. Now go with me to Acts chapter number 13. Acts 13 verses 1 through 4. Remember that church at Antioch? Now it's flourishing, God's blessing. Now, there was in the church that was at Antioch, this is a local church, certain prophets and teachers, and Barnabas and Simeon, which is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Who is this working? What is this taking place? We see a local church in action fulfilling the Great Commission, calling missionaries to being sent out to reach the world with the gospel. This is a local church doing this at work, the church at Antioch. Here you have the first world mission conference, if you want to call it that, and missionaries being sent out of that local church. Paul and Barnabas, Saul here, Paul and Barnabas were sent out of a local New Testament church, and they set out, they sent out the first missionary journey here, they set out to win souls, and guess what? Plant more local New Testament Bible-preaching, Bible-believing churches. Wherever you see a gathering of people, You see people getting saved. They are brought together, organized, functioning biblically, mobilized in order to get the gospel worldwide. Acts chapter number 16. Go with me there. Acts chapter number 16. Here we see the missionary reporting. The missionary report. Second missionary journey rather. And we see this taking place here at Acts chapter number 16. Well, actually, back up with me to 15 first, and we'll get to 16. Acts 15, verses 40 and 41. And Paul chose Silas, the second missionary journey. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia. 
Confirming what? The churches. What churches are these? They're churches in specific locations, people, a group of born-again believers, ministering and serving the Lord. Now, Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that, they, uh, that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. For they all knew, excuse me, knew all that his father was a Greek. Yes, verse number four. And as they went through the cities, they delivered from them from them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in faith and increased in number. Here we again see the concept. Now, I just want to lay a foundation of the fact that we see in the book of Acts the idea of a local body of believers assembling, working together, growing and going out with the gospel message. Verse number 9 and 10. We see it continuing. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia... And prayed him, saying, come over unto Macedonia and help us. What is this? This is a local. This is a, the Macedonia was a region. Someone from Macedonia, Paul sees this vision. Come over and help us. The gospel is here. The gospel is here. The gospel is here. Churches are planted here and here and here. But there's no church here. Come help us. That we may know of Christ. That we may see the power and the grace of God in our lives. And after he had seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord hath called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So here we see the establishment of churches in that region. These local churches that were established in the region of Macedonia, they were specifically Philippi, Berea, and, um, and others that were in that particular region. But we see in the scriptures that they were local churches, local assemblies. And Paul uses these churches in Macedonia, the ones he's talked about. He uses these, if we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, he uses these churches to be that example to another local church that's at Corinth. He uses the church at Macedonia, these group of churches, and he uses an example to a church that he's speaking to, he's writing to here, that church in Corinth. Verse number 1 of chapter number 8. Moreover, brethren, we do to uh, you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches, here local assemblies, of Macedonia. We just saw how they were established. Come over and help us. Paul goes over and helps. People are saved. Churches are established. Missionary journey. And we see these things taking place. And now God is using them through the Holy Spirit. is inspiring Paul to write now to this church at Corinth. And to use these Macedonian churches as a participation. And what are they participating in? They are participating in, as we re- look at the scriptures, they are participating in... Faith, promise, giving, or what's called grace giving. Paul uses these churches as an example to the Corinthian church. The Macedonian churches were poor. 
They were very poor in all of their resources, particularly that of financial resources. The Corinthian churches had much in resources. He tells us out of verse number two that how in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded the riches of their liberality. What's he talking about here? They were involved in getting the gospel. They were involved in God's plan for world evangelism. I want us to see and know that even though this church was poor, they nevertheless participated financially in the supplying for the work of the Lord. Even though it was a poor church. And as we break this down a little further, and as we have in the last two weeks, we look at it a little bit more in detail tonight, that God's got a plan here for everybody to have an involvement in what he's doing worldwide. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what uh, climate uh, uh, you live in, economically or anything, God's got a plan for everybody to be involved. And again, the local church, so what makes up the local church? Individuals. So it's a body of believers supplying for the work of the Lord. The supply was not out of what they had. We just read they had nothing. The supply was out of what they were willing to trust God to supply through them. The supply was out of what they were willing to trust God to supply through them. It was the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. That's what he says out of verse number 1. The grace of God bestowed. We've talked about this a number of times. What is grace? Simply put... God giving to us what we don't deserve, but it's even goes beyond. It's everything God gives to us, isn't it? We don't deserve anything. And God not only promises the necessities of life. I'm glad for a roof overhead, aren't you? Uh, I'm glad for air conditioning, aren't you? I'm glad for all the things that God's given us. I'm glad for health, aren't you? So God gives us necessities of life. And, and when we are in tune with God, when God's blessing and we're walking in the spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, God, and even in His grace, He not only gives us necessities, but we mention it, He gives us the niceties of life. He gives us what, the things we want sometimes. You ever prayed for something and you did, man, that'll never happen. And God in His grace and God in His goodness, He provides that for you, for me. God is so good. Do you enjoy, I know you grandparents, we got a number of grandparents tonight. How many of you, don't raise your hand, this would be incriminating. How many of you just detest giving your grandchildren any kind of presents? I think the bulk of you spoil your grandchildren. And mom and dad are coming home. I wish they wouldn't do that. I remember we'd go to Virginia and we would drive from Roanoke, Virginia to Blacksburg, Virginia. And we would think at Christmas time, we've got to get a U-Haul. Quit it. You're making it hard here. Spoiling. God is no different with us. God enjoys giving to his children. He longs to do it. And I believe we miss out so many times on what God wants to do for us because of our stubbornness and hard, hard, stiff neck. God wants to bless us. I told you one time about the story of of a fellow I'd met in Roanoke, Virginia. And he came through and he was, uh, you know, I I don't know. Sometimes people... 
come up and they just say, you know, I have a need and I have a need. Well, my heart kind of went out to this individual. I said, okay, we're going to do something. And it was a training time for us in our home with, with Gage at the time. And so, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bless this guy. And it was coming up on Thanksgiving time. And, and so we got together. My wife says, we're going to put together baskets. And they were uh, simple things, but things you need for everyday shampoos and this kind of things. And just a nice big basket. And my wife says, we're going to fix this big old meal. And we're going to invite this individual to come over and have this meal with us. And that evening, I was to go pick him up in a particular place and, and at a particular time, and I go there, and he's not there. And so I'm wondering, well, what's going on? And so I get out of my car and my truck at the time, and so I start walking through the place. And I walk for about a quarter of a mile because I could hear some music and things going on. And I find him sitting there, and he's, he's drinking. He's inebriated. And, and I walk up to him. I said, look, what's up? I mean, we had this planned we wanted to be a blessing and an encouragement and help and and he just says kind of no thanks you know i think sometimes god wants to do the very same thing with us and we just say eh, i'll pass and god has so much he wants to bless us with and can i tell you that for us it was a huge disappointment i believe god sometimes is just disappointed because he can't bless us the way he wants to But we look at this church and the supply was out of what God had given them. The grace that was bestowed on the churches at Macedonia. Grace bestowed is from God to them. Grace always flows from God to us. Bestowed upon them, given to them, poured out upon them. Grace bestowed. Grace provided. What did it provide? It provided the resources for the Lord's work. They were able to give out of their Riches of their liberality, their, their ability to give. Not their ability, but what God had given to them. So grace is bestowed. Grace provides. Grace produces. Verse number 2. How then a great affliction of abundance of their joy. What does grace produce? When God gives to you and God gives to me and we turn around and give to someone else, who is thrilled about that? The one that gives the gift. That produces joy in our hearts. So God lets us be that conduit in which he blesses other people. And you know what? We get the blessing. How many times have you ever gone out to be an encouragement to somebody that had a need? You knew they had a great need. And you went out to be a blessing to them. And, and even though that person had a great need, you walked away and you felt like you were helped more than you helped them. What a blessing this was. Well, this helped me. Why? Simply because I was willing to be used of God. The grace produces the joy. And I'm convinced that so many people have little or no joy in their life because they don't know the grace of God in their life. This is a church that's seeing God do great things. This church is these churches at Macedonia. They experience the power of God. Verse number 3. To their power, that's little. I bear record yet beyond their power. They were willing of themselves. Here they see the power of grace. The power of grace enables us to do more than we could ever conceive of ourselves. And you know, here at Lakewood Baptist Church, we are seeing that. We've seen that. We've seen that here. We've seen that in recent days. We continue to see that with what God has provided through the ability to get the gospel around the world. The sin missionaries. Be a part of what God's doing. They experience the power. You don't know experience the power of God in your life. 
Get in on this. Be a part of this. For to their power, yea, I bear record, yea, beyond their power, and the power of grace, the grace enabled them to fellowship in the ministering to the saints. Verse number 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the, notice this, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This is the participation of grace. Grace that God gives us enables us to participate in the needs of others, in the sending of the gospel. It enables us to participate in what God's doing worldwide. The participation of grace. It's amazing. It not only gave to them, but this grace gives through them. It gives through them. They could not be part of something bigger, anything of anything more grander. They couldn't have been part of anything as more exciting. It was beyond what they could conceive of because it was the work of God. The participation in grace. Verse 5 is really the key. Really the key to the whole thing. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. They first gave of themselves. How does this work? What's the key to all this? It's the giving of of their own selves. Surrender your will to the will of God. This is the key to it all. Surrendering. This is a surrender of faith by faith. This is faith. It's surrender. And what is faith? It is dependence. We're depending upon God. And God's going to call us as a church to step out by faith. We think of missionaries... They head out on the mission field. God calls them to step out by faith. And we say amen to that. Well, that excites us. And we, we applaud that. And that's wonderful. That encourages us. But what about as a church? Shouldn't God also expect us to step out by faith as well? Certainly he does. It's a step of faith. Dependence. This is the place where grace is found. Where grace is found. God does not need, understand, please understand this. God does not need our resources. God does not need our resources. He only seeks our willingness to be used by Him. That's the limit. He just wants our willingness. God who created it all, spoke it all into existence and contains it all and holds it all into, into the fashion of this world we call it and we see around us this universe. God brought it all to being with just speaking it. He doesn't need our resources. He just wants our heart. He just wants the willingness. Verse 6 says, Paul says, I want you to participate in this kind of grace also. Verse number 6, please notice the verse. Insomuch that we desired Titus that... As he had begun, so that he would also finish in you the same grace also. Verse 7, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and all diligence, in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Abound in this grace also. I do not, uh, and if you've been around here for any period of time, I do not. You can test that, go back and... Pull up all the live streams and all the DVDs. You'll not hear me preaching very, very often. It's very, very seldom on money. When the Bible preaches it, I'll preach it. You don't hear that. 
But what you do hear me say, and what I come to this passage and I do say to, to us as believers... Abound in this grace also. I want to encourage you, not only in your faith and in your ability to preach the gospel, not only in your knowledge and your diligence, your fervence, but I want to encourage you in this grace also. We seek to grow everywhere so many times. Let me grow in this area. Let me grow in this area. But let's leave this one off the table. He says, grow in this one as well. Grow in this one. He says they first gave their own selves. This is where grace is found. Paul says, I want you to participate in this kind of grace, one that abounds in your life and in your heart. We often, again, seek to, seek to grow our relationship in many ways, but this one is one that we ought to seek to abound in. Verse number 8, Paul says, this is one way in which we prove the sincerity of our love. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. How else can we prove the sincerity of? Well, we can do it many ways. One good way is to, through our supplying. As I said, Brother Halsey mentioned in his book last week, it's all on the God. It's all on the Lord. If the Lord calls us, then it's up to him to what, whatever he tells us to do. It's all up to him. The pressure is off of us. We're just relying on God to meet the need. But it's to prove the sincerity of our love. Verse number 9, he says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the example. We see his giving to us. We see the, the giving of God. Of Christ, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that through, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and uh, through his poverty ye might be rich. This is the example that God gives us here. He uses the example of a, of a church, of a local church, but they first got the example through Jesus Christ, and so should we. When we give ourselves to Him, we prove our love to Him. When we allow Him to use us, we prove our love to Him. He says out of verse number 8, I speak not by commandment. This kind of giving, this faith promise, this grace giving is not a commandment. He said, I'm not, this is not a commandment I'm giving you. But it is out of compassion. I'm, I'm encouraging you out of compassion for the need and out of your commitment to the Lord, the need to get the gospel and your love for the Lord because he first loved us. So this tells us this is, this is not a tithe here. This is not that at all. It's beyond. It's trusting God to give to us so that we can give to his work and continue to go forward there. And really, this is an act of verse number 12. Look what he says. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Notice the willing mind. It's a free will offering. But not only is it a free will offering, but it's an act of faith offering. It's an act of faith offering. When we fail to... Launch out in faith, we actually limit and hold back and we hinder the work of God in our lives and we hurt the ministry. But with faith and a free will, these things tap into God's resources, which are unlimited. They tap in, which is unlimited. And God gives that and He promises that. Because, get it, the, 
go back to, don't, you don't have to turn there, but we think back to Matthew. Go into all the world. The means, the manpower is here. It's us. The message is the gospel. The means God provides. It's all there. Verses 12 through 18. For if you be first a willing mind to be accepted according to that man hath and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a, a supply for their want and their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there be, may be equality. The work of meeting the need of getting the gospel to the world is not a burden placed upon just one. It's not a burden just placed on Lakewood Baptist Church. It's not a burden that's just placed upon Franklin Road Baptist Church. Although it is. But it's not just one. This burden is spread about all churches. Everybody gets in on it. Everybody has an opportunity to participate in it. It should be shared by all. This ensures that every church of any size gets to have a part and a share in reward in getting the gospel worldwide. Fruit to your account. So it doesn't matter. Well, that, have you seen what that church has down there? Have you seen that, that or that? It doesn't matter. Forget all of that. It matters what our faith is in God. We get to participate we get to be a part of it. And uh, in closing, and I've got to be done. In closing, chapter 9, verses 6 and following. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly. Now, I want us to understand the context of the verses. We oftentimes read these verses and we, we look at them and we say, well, what's the context here? The context is giving to world evangelization. Getting to, giving to Matthew chapter number 28, verses 18, 19. And following. But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or in necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves and he's d- delighted in those who give to his work. And God is able... This is such a tremendous verse. Boy, get this one. Mark it in your Bibles. Put it in your brain. Carry it with you. When we participate this way, God is able. I can't, Lord. You don't understand. I can't afford to give. Look what he says. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always. Is that what your Bible says? Always. What does always mean? Occasionally. Now that you always having all sufficiency in just a few things. No, in all things. May abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both Minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. Increase in the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. This is good. For the administration of his service. Not by 
not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving to God. While it's by the experience, the proof, the experiment, the proof, trust God, see if he's not true, the proof, that's what the word experiment means, the proof of his ministration that glorified God. We trust God by faith. God will show himself strong every time. This is exercising our faith, the proof of God's faith, and God comes through. The greatest need that the world has is knowing the gospel in Jesus Christ. And it is our job to allow God to use us to meet that need. That's why, and we get to participate, that's why Mission Conference is so exciting. Because it enables everybody to have a part. Not just the church, but those who make up the church. How do you even think about that? Not just the church. but those. You do make up the church. It's everybody. It's all of us. We all get to participate by faith as God blesses. Does that mean there's a tornado close by? Okay, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. It just killed everything, didn't it? Well, I'll start again. But I, I just simply tonight as we close and we got to be done. Let's pray for our mission conference. Let's pray for our missionaries. Pray for Brother Godfrey. And may this upcoming year at Lakewood Baptist Church be the, 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 the most wonderful year of seeing people saved. Churches being planted, reproduced, doing it again and again and again. And may God's blessings be abundant upon our lives as we trust him by faith. That's his promise. Let's trust him that way. Can we bow in the word of prayer? Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you so much for how you've cared for us. Lord, you have cared for us by caring for what you've called us to do and making the provision if we'd simply just look to you. So I thank you tonight for how you've done that in a myriad of ways. We thank you for what you've done this past year, and we look forward to the days to come. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open. May we be a praying church seeking the face of the Lord. And Lord, may we be obedient as you show us your will. Thank you for letting us be a part of the greatest business the world has ever known. Maybe some here tonight or to see from the scriptures the importance of these truths. So maybe we enter in, or some enters in for the first time. Biblically, seeing it biblically, we enter in for the first time. Maybe some who's been participating in the work of the Lord for decades and decades. And Lord, they've seen your faithfulness. May you continue to give that encouragement. For all that's done tonight, and Lord, in the days to come, we'll be careful to honor your name and glorify you through it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.